Up to this point, I have not seen any evidence that D.A. Willis's actions or lack thereof warrant action by the Prosecuting Attorney Oversight Commission. The bottom line is that in the state of Georgia, as long as I'm governor, we're going to follow the law and the Constitution, regardless of who it helps or harms politically. We will not be engaging in political theater that only inflames the emotions of the moment. We will do what is right. We will uphold our oaths as public servants. You got to be kidding me. That's Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia uh, refusing pleas from members of his legislature to uh, do something about the out-of-control lawlessness of Prosecutor Fannie Willis. But no, he, he's, he's upholding the law, right? Remember, that's what he told us. He assured us that as long as he's governor, they're going to do what's right, regardless of any kind of partisan considerations, really. And so people say, well, he's a Republican, so, you know, uh, he's a Republican, so this must be fair, right? Well, I don't think so. I think there's something wrong. There is something really wrong in the state of Georgia. We also have uh, Brian, Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of the State. Uh, we're learning more and more about his part in the 2020 election. Uh, the malfeasance. We have some John Solomon has just broken some news about Raffensperger, about uh, some tapes where he's discussing uh, setting up this whole confusion over the election and covering it. Uh, we'll talk about that at a later date, but something's badly wrong in the state of Georgia. Today we're going to talk to a pastor who's been caught in that crossfire. Here's the 19th defendant uh, to uh, be charged with racketeering and conspiracy and all the rest of it uh, in this indictment out of from Fannie Willis out of Georgia. It's, a, it's an amazing story, and his past is amazing. And he's going to talk to us about his experience, what led him to be in Georgia doing whatever he was doing uh, in that uh, right in the aftermath of the 2020 election. It's pretty interesting stuff. So I hope you'll stay tuned. I want to thank Preborn because Preborn makes it possible for us to have these discussions. They do such great work. I talk to you about it all the time. I'm so proud to have them as a sponsor. Uh, they provide ultrasounds for women in crisis pregnancy. And right now, uh, over half of the abortions that are happening in this country are happening with that, those, I can't think of a nice word. I just would say those pills, those pills, the French abortion pills, the RU486 that is now being prescribed over our counters here in the United States, has been for years now, thank you, FDA, thank you, abortion industry, where people are taking these pills, women are going home and having a little private abortion. The first pill kills the baby, the second pill causes the baby to come out, and then the woman, the often young girls. I read a story about a young girl who carried, after she had done this, carried this little baby that was born but now dead, uh, back to a, a crisis pregnancy center crying out for help, but it was too late. This is the kind of thing we're putting our girls and our women through because we've legalized something that is absolutely wicked. It kills the baby, and it certainly harms the mother. But preborn solution is that they show the mom the picture of their baby in the hopes that they will not make that choice. If you would like to support them, go to preborn.com slash Sandy, that's preborn.com slash Sandy. All right, I hope you'll sit back and um, listen to today's show. You're going to be blessed by my discussion with Pastor Stephen Lee on today's edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. Yeah, I saw four suitcases come out from underneath the table. Supporters of the president are calling it suitcase gate. 
to call it a suitcase. But those are not suitcases. 11 Alive has confirmed they're the standard ballot containers used by Fulton County. The video shows is that they have pulled out uh, plastic bins from underneath the desks. Those are, are bins that they keep under their under their desks near the scanners. They've investigated this repeatedly, that they had a monitor on site the entire time. And frankly, this has been debunked for weeks by our Secretary of State's office. I doubt he's seen the video. Your officials need to watch the video. They did. The video is not new. State investigators reviewed the State Farm surveillance tapes weeks ago. Gabriel Sterling with the Secretary of State's office tweeted, the 90-second video of election workers purporting to show fraud was watched in its entirety by Georgia Secretary of State investigators, shows normal ballot processing. There was one person working the polls who told everyone in the room to leave. They began letting certain people go. No announcement was ever made to to leave, for anyone to leave. Was anyone actually told to leave or just that they were done counting? Republican monitors claim they were forced out. They were made to leave, so it was done in contravention of the statute. Fulton County, they were telling us that their absentee ballot vote counting, their workers went home from that this evening. They'll be back uh, around 8, 8.30 in the morning. And why are they only counting them whenever the place is cleared out with no witnesses? This part is true. The press and the party monitors were not given notice that counting would continue into the early morning hours, and they should have been. All right, Sandy Rios with you. You heard that report. I, uh, you could drive a truck through the holes in that report. I'll just mention two because I want to introduce our guest. Does anyone remember that story and remember the videos of the State Farm Center where the counting was taking place in Fulton County uh, during the election of 2020? Do you remember the announcement that there was a leak, a pipe that had broken and a leak? And uh, as my recall, people were told to leave while they fixed it. They had to stop the counting because of this emergency leak. Uh, So then we saw uh, the cameras uh, in that huge room showing the place cleared out. Uh, This report is claiming they weren't asked to leave. They just uh, all happened to just leave. I don't know. And in the midst of that, we see two people come back in, pulled uh, containers from under desks and look to be what is appearing, taking ballots out of that and putting them through the machines. It happens that these people have names. It's Ruby Freeman and her daughter. Since then, of course, uh, she has been, they investigated it, of course. But I want to point out to you, the investigation came out of Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State's office. I'm going to get into that in a little bit later, but uh, Brad Raffensperger has not acquitted himself well in this whole thing. Uh, I, uh, he has been a very deceptive Secretary of State, and I think many people in Georgia are finally figuring that out. And if they haven't, I'm going to try to help them figure it out, but... In the crosshairs of all of this is the 19th defendant charged by Fannie Willis, uh, what, uh, just a few weeks ago or several days ago, uh, with being, uh, you know, a racketeer, a, a gangster for his role in that 2020 election in Georgia. And he happens to be a pastor. And the story that he has to tell is really fascinating. It's uh, Illinois Pastor Stephen Lee who joins us now. Pastor Lee, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, Stephen, let's just, uh, do you mind, I, I, I shouldn't call you Stephen, uh, Pastor Lee, or, or Chaplain, which do you prefer? Well, since I'm a second career guy and I used to be in law enforcement, I've been called lots of things. <laughs> but you can call me Pastor Steve uh, or Reverend Lee or, or whatever you feel comfortable with. Certain people like to keep it more formal, others less formal. You choose okay. and I'll yeah. answer. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll make it respectful because you do you do much respect. Uh, you have been the pastor of a, a Lutheran Church, Living Word Lutheran Church in Orland Park. For those of you that are familiar with Chicago, it's certainly that's my home turf, so very familiar. And uh, let me just say before we start talking that Pastor Lee has come to my attention through my good friends at Illinois Family Institute. Uh, they are the they used to be the focus on the family branch of folks on the family in Illinois. They've been in existence. They do great work, and they're great great friends of mine. And they are behind Pastor Lee, trying to help him in this situation. But Pastor Lee, before we get into that, uh, your whole connection with Georgia, for heaven's sake, from sh- Chicago to Georgia, uh, let's just touch on. You have a, a really interesting resume. We could do a whole show on just the things you've done. But as a police chaplain, which you were for a number of years. You formed this uh, special branch of the chaplains to go into some 
particularly um, hairy situations. I would just mention Columbine, which most of us remember if we're old enough. Uh, Also the shooting in Las Vegas, which I could talk to you about that forever. Um, And then uh, Katrina. We'll just use those three. All of them disasters of overwhelming proportion. And I guess... um, And and 9-11, too. Yeah. And... Yeah. Okay, so you went to where the problem was, and you just dropped everything and drove and did what you could. Uh, which of those yes. things impacted you the most, do you think, Pastor Lee? In a personal level, probably Columbine. Uh, we were living 45 minutes away at the time in North Colorado Springs. Uh, in fact, my wife was working a focus on the family. Uh, we had high school kids uh, of our own, and when it first came out in the news, I was wondering if it was in Colorado Springs. I was a Colorado Springs police chaplain at the time, but wow. also an eight Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms chaplain at the time, so federal chaplain as well. I heard it on the radio. I checked in with the uh, watch commander at Colorado Springs Police Department. He says, it's not in Colorado Springs, so your kids will be fine, but it's at a high school called Columbine up in Littleton, about 45 minutes away from where we lived. And so I immediately responded, and I called out to Washington, D.C., to ATF peer support, and they said, you're, you're our closest chaplain, and, of course, ATF would be uh, involved in that. And they said, uh, we'll make you our lead chaplain there and get on up there and see what's going on, see what you can do. And that's exactly what I did. And I wind up uh, uh, eventually asking them to send Murray Fricky down from Wyoming and John South up from Phoenix, their ATF chaplains, to assist. And it was a matter of working two or three days um, pretty intensely. When I got there, uh, the, the tactical teams were uh, evacuating uh, the students and teachers. I was on the Pierce Street side, and uh, so I assisted. I got a, got uh, the groups that they're bringing out and from the inner perimeter and escorted them back through a uh, fence, a uh, hole in the fence, back to Leewood Elementary School, where they could be reunited with their families. It was a very intense and very hard thing. And the, and it, what you talk about what's the hardest it was being in the library the next day, having a prayer with Colorado um, uh, investigators, uh, crime scene people, and, and having a prayer there, but also having to bag those uh, poor kids that got killed. Mm-hmm. And then seeing the contrast with uh, the boys who were also responsible for that mm-hmm. and uh, were, were in the corner lying dead where they uh, shot themselves. But bagging people, bagging people, that's, that sounds horrific. People like uh, Cassie Bernal, you know, mm-hmm. um, she said yes when asked if she believed in, in God, and she was, she was killed. And I, and I personally had to put her in a body bag. And it's horrific. I've seen a lot of things, uh, yeah. but that touched me personally because I've known this. I know the stories of these of these young people. Nine uh, eleven, interestingly, uh, coming into Ground Zero, Columbine kind of drove wedges with people in different groups. Okay, nine eleven pulled us together. It was huge. It was it was massive. It was Pearl Harbor scale you know, loss of life. But it pulled the country together, and that was a good outcome of a horrible situation. So these things kind of happen differently depending on those kinds of dynamics. Let me jump. Uh, I just uh, interesting. I think I was on the air in Chicago when the Columbine shooting took place. And for those of you who don't know what this is, now he's given given a good uh, hint of what that was all about. It was, I think, the first major mass shooting in a in a school. Of the ones now that have just become familiar to us, this was the very first. It was horrific, and it was uh, I'll never forget that either. And so uh, that's that's uh, what Pastor Lee did. And uh, we're going to come back to some of those uh, issues in just a little bit. But uh, I guess, you know, that's the groundwork. Your uh, ministry in all of these different situations outside of the state of Illinois, which is where you are now, getting in your car and driving to these emergencies and trying to minister to people in those situations is who you are and what you've been doing for years. So that brings yes. us to yes. the the aftermath of the 2020 election. Uh, you got in your car and drove to Georgia f- on a mission. When a mission, a literal mission. What what was it? In a nutshell, what were you trying to do? Well, here I'm going to defer to to my attorney Dave 
okay, because this is an ongoing case. Dave's been wonderful. And um, and so I have to defer on questions okay. related to okay. any allegations. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll do that. <laughs> David uh, Shostokas is uh, the author of Constitutional Soundbites and is a constitutional attorney who is representing uh, Pastor Lee. And he's with us, too. So good morning and thanks for joining us, David. Thank you, Sandy. It's uh, it's great to be with you guys, and I'm glad uh, you're giving an opportunity to introduce um, Pastor Lee to America in the way he deserves to be introduced, as um, America's chaplain or American hero, as yes. opposed to um, the way he's, of course, been characterized in uh, by Fannie Willis in Georgia. Yeah. And, um, well, I've been reading, of course, and I can say this, even if I recognize that you guys are in a very sticky situation. I can just say that um, Pastor Lee was headed for Ruby Freeman's house uh, to talk. She was the woman identified as one of the two, uh, turns out her and her daughter, who were seen in those videos allegedly taking these boxes out and pulling uh, ballots out and allegedly you know, using those ballots to enter into the machines. And that was the, now the the Secretary of State's office says that they've cleared her. I don't trust Brad Raffensperger, so that's why I'm saying it the way I'm saying it. Okay, so, uh, but still, I guess the issue, David, is what can you say about what Pastor Lee was doing? Why was he going to Ruby's house? You know, of course, it's been, um, there there was an indictment, and of course, there was uh, President Trump, 17 other folks, and Pastor Lee, a total of 19 people. They are alleging that there is some sort of a criminal enterprise aimed at overturning, illegally overturning, the 2020 presidential election. And there's 161 acts that they call overt acts that are supposedly in furtherance of this uh, criminal enterprise. And among the acts that they list in furtherance of the criminal enterprise is Pastor Lee knocking on two doors, he knocked on the door of um, a neighbor of Ruby Freeman's, and then uh, they were, and he spoke briefly with the neighbor, and then he ultimately would knock on Ruby Freeman's door, and uh, but he never did speak with her. He never had a word with her, and yet somehow or other they're charging him with solicitation of um, false statements by a uh, material witness and an election worker. Uh, so he knocked on two doors. They're, they're saying that they, he did that with the intent to overturn the election, Sandy. Uh, and then he also also was on a couple of phone calls. And so, but the interesting thing is, of course, there's supposedly this vast criminal enterprise. Pastor Lee has never met President Trump. To my knowledge, <laughs> he's never been in the same room with President Trump or Mayor Giuliani or any of the other attorneys that have been indicted for giving legal advice. Uh, and uh, so it's very, very strange that he was there. And I think it's kind of important for people to know this backstory about that. In that November of 2022, the Fulton County Special Purpose Grand Jury sent a subpoena to Illinois to ask for uh, to see it by compelling Reverend Lee's testimony to the grand jury. There's uh, people, when a grand jury, a state grand jury issues a subpoena, their authority to compel somebody to be there ends at the borders of the state. And so you have to get a, a judge in the state where, of residence of the witness that you want. So they sent it out to Kendall County, uh, Illinois, which is the county where Pastor uh, Lee lived. We had three hearings in Kendall County, and at the end of those three hearings, the judge in Kendall County said they haven't given the judge in Illinois, enough evidence to even consider Pastor Lee a material witness in this case, not even a material witness, and he denied the request of the special purpose grand jury and Fannie Wells to compel Pastor Lee's testimony. We never heard from them ever again until August 15th, when we woke up August 15th. This was November 9th. Oh, no, by the way, uh, uh, the judge in Kendall County also, is in his order, he said, you know, if there's... Uh, We'll give them 30 days, and if they want to, they can provide me with evidence to justify my compelling uh, Pastor Lee to go to Georgia. They never did that within those 30 days, and then we never heard from them again. They didn't reach out to me. They made no effort to speak to him. And so when we woke up on August 15th to find out that late uh, late in the evening on August 14th, uh, Ms. Willis had uh, issued indictments, including Pastor Lee, to be perfectly honest, we were astonished. Because there was only one judicial finding 
And that judicial finding said he wasn't, there wasn't even enough evidence to consider him a witness, and now he's a defendant in this case. So, David, that, that's a technical, that's a breach of the law, is it not? Is it not just a procedure, or is it a breach of the law to, uh, to do this in re, uh, ignoring the ruling of the judge in Kendall County? Well, I would suggest that it was um, certainly a breach of um, ethical investigation. I'm a former prosecutor myself, and you don't normally go out and charge somebody without any effort to even speak to them, even interview them. And they they sent the one subpoena, they, that was denied, and that was it. So I can tell you that how shoddy the investigation is from that standpoint. And it seems to me that it's pretty difficult to develop probable cause if you don't even interview your potential defendant, or may even not make any effort to interview the potential defendant. There's a variety of other issues uh, and in other uh, situations involving the uh, what I would call the alternate electors, where there's multiple, multiple, much evidence to indicate that they were following the law when they were engaged in these things that Willis says is uh, illegal. And she has she has exculpatory evidence in her hands for just about every defendant, and has ignored all the exculpatory evidence. And uh, I would suggest, um, you know, yeah, there's um, certainly a breach of prosecutorial ethics, a breach of and uh, and hopefully before it's all when it's all said and done, um, the uh, consequences of that will um, will come to come home to roost. Yeah, well, there's a lot to say about it, and I ha- there's a lot of things going on. Uh, but I know that you have to leave us. You have a meeting. Is there anything? I do. I have a court hearing. I, I, unfortunately, I wish you were, but unfortunately, Pastor Lee's not my only client. Uh, no, I know. I know. I understand that totally. We do understand. And so uh, maybe we, we, you and I, can talk again uh, at a later date, uh, David. But um, I look forward again, to doing so. Just yeah. when you when you get to that question. There are some questions that, you know, of course, uh, reporters and uh, investigators and folks like that, they certainly like to ask, and we're not surprised that they ask. Some of them go to the heart of the allegations of the, of the, of the indictment, and frankly, we can't discuss the heart of the allegations because even though it sounds so silly that he was uh, charged with, um, with these crimes by knocking on two doors and being on a phone call, the truth is, is, the potential penalty is a minimum of five years in a Georgia state prison. Minimum, and it's not minimum. You know, not home confinement, not uh, wow. Wow. not community service. Five years in a Georgia state prison is a mandatory minimum that a judge must impose if there's a conviction. So even though it all sounds really crazy, we have to take it serious because the consequences are so uh, well. Listen, so I know a lot of the other defendants, uh, and so I, yes, and they're all, some, of course, with charges more serious than that, and all of it's ridiculous from my viewpoint. Um, Mark Meadows is charged with, you know, uh, hosting a meeting that President Trump asked him to set up, and he's charged for a tweet he made, or an email he sent. It's just, it is bizarre, ridiculous, and yet we know that she's lawless. The, uh, the governor and the state secretary of state refused to rein her in. Uh, they're in complete support of her. So it's really a tough place to be and I'll, uh, for all of us. So that's why we're doing this interview. And, uh, David, we will talk to you at a later date. Uh, David Shostakis, uh, the author of Constitutional. Shostokis. Yes, ma'am. Shostokis. Yes, ma'am. Yes, okay. Sounds like a good Greek name. Thank you, sir. Thanks for joining uh, exactly. us. It's, it's Lithuanian. Uh, oh, Lithuanian. for Greek all the time. Oh, okay. Well, I made it. Okay. Well, God bless you, sir. And uh, we'll talk to you again, I hope. Uh, Before we continue, let me just say that we have a brand new sponsor. It's Christian Healthcare Ministries. Uh, They are a very unique organization. They are in all 50 states. They're one of the first of these health sharing programs. They've been around for 40 years. And so, of course, you know how it works, I think, where you pay. There's three different plans, and you agree you look to see which plan works for you if you need a lot of coverage, if you just need minimal coverage. And, of course, your monthly fee is assessed on the, based on what you choose. And then uh, you pull your resources. And then when you are in crisis, the money that's been into, put into the pool by other Christians, and you too, goes to pay for your emergency. You just could, It works like that. It's a pool of resources. It's really a brilliant way to get your health care. And the good thing about Christian Healthcare Ministries is that you can choose your own doctor 
or you can, you know, choose your own hospital. And that's really, I think, very unique to them. I think you should check this out. Uh, check your health. If, you know, if you're help, happy with your health care insurance, you might save some money by going to Christian Healthcare Ministries. So just go to chministries.org slash Sandy. That's chministry.org slash Sandy. And you can make your health care dollars count for something. You're helping other people while you're providing for your family. That's chministries.org slash Sandy. You know, um, let me go back. Pastor Lee, let me just state for you, because you can't talk about this, uh, just in articles that I've written so that people will understand a little bit more fully. Uh, you actually made your way to Ruby Freeman's home. Uh, she called the police on you, and the police came, and you just wanted to have a conversation with her. I, my understanding from what I'm reading is that you thought that because you were an expert at this crisis thing that she probably was in crisis because suddenly all the spotlight was on her and her daughter for what they had done in the, in the uh, arena. I'm putting words in your mouth. Forgive me for doing that. But I just want people, people to understand. Uh, and so uh, you reached out to have other people try to reach Ruby and tell her that you were a pastor and you just wanted to, you, wanted, you were actually there to help her. Um, and uh, the three of the people that you reached out to are all also, they're not, they're not, are they part of this indictment? They are charged with something, as I understand it. Uh, yeah. And again, I, I'm not going to comment at all about any of that stuff. I could comment yeah. about, yes, I get it. you know, how I feel, how I feel about the charges about myself, but I, not the charges themselves at all. Yes, no, I get that, but I just have to fill in the blanks for people so they'll understand right. uh, what this yeah. is all about. Yeah. And yeah. It, very interesting yeah. what David just said about the fact that you guys went through the process and Kendall County judge said that there wasn't enough evidence to bring charges against you, and yet you were charged in spite of that. It's amazing. We also have to tell, just for a second, uh, the story of the fact that the Illinois Family Institute uh, was is helping raise money for your legal defense. And I want to stop and talk about that just for a second. Uh, it's If you okay. go to illinoisfamily.org slash contribute, illinoisfamily.org, you can contribute to Pastor Lee's legal defense. Um, you just need to indicate for Pastor Lee. They'll tell you about that, I'm sure, when you go on there. Also, uh, they're raising money through what's called MakeHoneyGreatAgain.com. You can buy that honey, and they will uh, send uh, some of their proceeds, a percentage of their proceeds, uh, to the legal defense of Pastor Lee. Uh, they've already already raised, I think, at least $10,000, and they were able to get him out on bail, uh, which he wasn't expecting. His church thought he wouldn't even be there, uh, and he was able to come last Sunday and preach. What did you preach on, Pastor? <laughs> My mind is, because it's been two Sundays, or, you know, I'm losing track of time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but it was, without getting into specifics about about the Scripture verses, I, it, it brings a smile on my face, because in our church body, a lot of times we use what are called appointed readings, um, and it's for the whole entire church year, and you can know about these two or three years in advance, Right. And the appointed scripture readings, there's a psalm reading, an Old Testament reading, um, a New Testament reading, and a gospel reading. And it's like, and, and we're not what's called Pentecostal. You know, we have, a, we have a philosophy that says if you raise your arms above your waist, we call 911, right? Uh, <laughs> we're very traditional kind of people. <laughs> but I love, I'm very evangelical, very word-based, Okay very biblically based and uh and uh anyway but it felt to me like god was speaking to me and bringing me some encouragement strength and comfort through his word he knows god is on his throne and you know what we trust the lord we don't trust circumstances and that's my view of life and my wife my my beautiful wife who we've been married 46 years and my family friends my church they know. They know who I am, and they know I'm about um, helping people. I, I did it in law enforcement before at the local and federal level. Uh, I do it as a pastor, and I've done it as a chaplain. Uh, they know They know who I am. I've talked to a couple of friends uh, recently uh, in, in different parts of the country, and I've had friends 
connect with me from all over the country uh, with beautiful words of support. But they were they were saying how they were shocked by the news, and the reaction was the same by all of them. This is not the Steve Lee that we know. Um, and he's about helping people, not hurting people. Uh, so anyway... Um, well, let me just jump in. That, this reminds me of a... Okay, let, me, let me just say, say this. I'm about helping people, and I'm about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm about meeting people where they are at, fundamentally, spiritually, and bringing them hope. So anyway, go ahead. Well, just reminded me of a story that I'm sure you're very familiar with. Uh, these are different times. And I, I say, actually, <laughs> I've been saying this for probably a decade a lot of my good friends have been in jail now. Maybe it's pro-life protests with uh, Joe Scheidler was uh, being sued by a national organization for women, and I could go on and on. I, uh, uh, because lawlessness have been, has been redefined and the law is being ignored, so uh, uh, it's the really fine people now who find themselves in crosshairs, bold and principled and godly people who are in trouble. So uh, the list is growing longer of the people that I know that are in trouble with the law. And uh, so I think about the going back to Nazi Germany. I think of the famous story where Martin Niemöller, who was the World War One pilot hero for Germany, um, was a pastor and uh, opposed Hitler and ended up in jail. And some of his fellow pastors came to visit him and basically said, "Martin, what is a fine man with your reputation doing behind bars?" And he said to back to them, "The question is." Why are you not here? Why aren't you here? And um, I'm wondering if you feel that way yeah. sometimes, Pastor. Well, th- um, I've had my own version of that uh, sort of quote that you quoted. Um, but let me say this. Uh, history seems to point out, including biblical history, that uh, sometimes people who uh, shouldn't be in prison are in prison. I mean, that's a fair statement. Uh, think of the apostles. Think of the prophets. Think about uh, Jesus himself, and I, I'm not comparing myself with Jesus, okay? <laughs> All right. But, you know, stuff happens, and you have to make a choice. You have to you have to pray. You have to look at the Word. You have to look at what's ethical, what's right, what fits with who you are in terms of helping people or sharing the gospel. And also, we have what are called God-given rights. It's in the Declaration of Independence that says we are created uh, and have certain unalienable rights. And then those are articulated in law, for instance, in the Constitution with the uh, Bill of Rights, the first of which is freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom to petition government, uh, these kinds of freedom of religion, freedom of the press. Um and so we have these things, and they are God-given. They are not given by men, by by governments. Uh, these are God-given rights. And, uh, you know, I, I think it doesn't take a commentator like me to kind of point out that we have some real issues in, in the country. I would like to see people come together on principle, right? A lot of people have a lot of different ideas about about things. And I like to say I'm not political. I'm principled. That's been my life professionally and in ministry is that I'm, I'm apolitical. I try to stay apolitical, and I try and appeal to principle. That's what I do. Well, I think uh, biblical principle, and I'm sure that is exactly what you mean. Uh, I, uh, Pastor, yeah. I want to ask you about one other situation uh, just the, the, as kind of a last little conversation here. I would really like to know, uh, to go back to one of those other um, major events that you rushed to help in, and that was the Las Vegas massacre. I covered that pretty extensively. I have good friends that are national security okay. experts, and they, they did extensive research on that. And so um, it doesn't. we don't have to conclude what happened. I'm not asking you to do that. That's too, too complicated. Right. I have the strong suspicions about what happened, uh, backed up by some pretty good evidence uh, but um, what what did you see? What was that like? That's the largest, isn't it, mass murder in the country so far? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. horrific. I mean, just uh, it, it, to see the progression from Columbine, which I thought was horrific, and it was, okay, 
a loss of a single life is absolutely horrific, especially for those affected by that loss. But then to see it on the scale of uh, the Mandalay Bay Hotel and looking up above there, because uh, I was I was at the scene. I work primarily with the FBI um, and um, a, a supervisory special agent who was in charge of Western Regional um, uh, Human Resources at the time, in particular with that gentleman. Uh, and and to look at the scene down below where that concert venue was, look where the windows were broken up, broken out up above, and looking at the field of fire and all the bullets and everything around there and the blood. I traced, I trailed uh, bloody footprints, bare footprints, bloody bare footprints from that uh, venue across the street over to a Roman Catholic church where that person sought refuge and and that horrific bloody trail. And a standout memory for me was that there was a motorized wheelchair in the middle of that scene. And it was there just in stark contrast to all of the 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 litter from people just dropping stuff and fleeing for their lives. And I wonder what happened to that person in that, in that wheelchair, in the motorized wheelchair. Um, the, the cell phones that got dropped and the, and the forensic teams that were having to work that scene, listening to these cell phones ring until their batteries went dead. Oh. And you know who was trying to call people. There's family members. These are friends. There's wives. There were husbands. There were children. There were parents trying to reach people who were there and calling and calling and calling, and the investigators are having to listen to this. That's traumatic beyond belief just on that level, that scale. The evil, and whatever the cause and whatever the theories are about anything, it comes down to humanity, and people are, are people, and they're different people get, you know, get caught up in different things. I minister where there's the need. They're called... Um, uh, major critical incidents of national significance, that's a technical term, from uh, Department of Home, Homeland uh, Security and the kind of protocols, in, uh, uh, the, the command system that they use, incident command system, those kinds of things, NIMS, there's all kinds of acronyms. And if there's a major crisis because of my background and because of my pastoral uh, status, I try and help on those things. And, and you're, you're asking about, about that at Vegas. And those are comes some standout memories. And then dealing with yeah. all of the folks at the Las Vegas Convention Center, the yeah. families, the friends, the scale is horrible and unimaginable. And then you talk yeah. about 9-11. By the way, I chaplain the crew that got the cross out at, at um, Building 6 uh, at uh, Ground Zero, and it's now in the 9-11 Museum. So... Those kinds of those kinds of things, it's you see evil up front and up close and personal, and you you know the reality of evil, but then you discover the the the, the blessed presence of the Lord and the comfort of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, it's the truth, isn't it? It's even the the crumbs uh, the crumbs of faith then become huge because they just like the cross that they discovered. It's that God just showing Himself. I, we both have had experience with that, and uh, what a what a wonderful. May I close with a poem report. I wrote on the cross? Pardon? May yes. I close with a poem sure. I wrote on the cross? Sure. Yeah, of course you can. Okay, it's from God, God's house. That's what they work is called Building Six. Fired new from dying flame, this living sign remains. Arms outstretched, embracing yet our avalanche of pain, to still, to fill, to heal again. That's beautiful, Pastor. Uh, I could talk to you for a long time about a lot of things, and maybe we will do that. I want to bring it back to your situation. I want to bring it back to your situation. Uh, Pastor Stephen Lee is our guest. This is his voice. He is the 19th defendant of the 19 that were charged by Fannie Willis in Fulton County, Georgia, for, among other things, racketeering, uh, conspiring with each other. Uh, you've heard part of it. It's a, it's a, I did a whole s- a show with Hans von Spakowski last week, and if you did not listen to that, Hans, of course, is a an attorney uh, f- uh, who's uh, practiced in Georgia for a number of years, and now he's in Washington, D.C., and Hans is following this carefully, and it will explain a lot of the uh, malfeasance that's taking place here.
Uh, but uh, money is being raised for Stephen's uh, bail, and he's home because money was raised by people like you. Illinois Family Institute is helping. IllinoisFamily.org slash contribute is where you would go to help. It's IllinoisFamily.org slash contribute. Uh, and also, uh, if you go to MakeHoneyGreatAgain.com, MakeHoneyGreatAgain.com, you can order honey, and a, a, a nice percentage of those proceeds will go to Pastor Lee as well and restore him, you know, and protect him in this process. Pastor Lee, it's been a pleasure. It really has. God bless you and everything that you've done and continue to bless you and give you courage and strength and the finances to face what you're facing. We appreciate your time. We trust, we trust the Lord. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it very much. My pleasure. All right, this has been Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. Sandy Rios of Sandy Rios 24-7 back with you. You know, according to a recent study of hundreds of post-aborted women, 60% of women reported that they would have preferred to give birth if they had received more support from others or had more financial security. That really rings true with me uh, because I've seen that happen through the years. So it's, a, it's often the, the man who uh, wants his wi- wife or girlfriend to get a, a, an abortion. It's often a, a family member. It's often pressure from other people. I don't think... Uh, women who find themselves pregnant jump to the idea that they want to take the life of their baby. I don't. And so that's where preborn steps in. Preborn is there for women in their darkest hour, deciding between the life and death of their precious child. The reality is women are being pressured to make this decision and are being told that their babies are just a clump of cells. Preborn welcomes women with God's love and introduces them to the beautiful life growing inside of them, which doubles the chances of their baby's life. And, of course, they do that through ultrasound. If you would like to help, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. I want to remind you that if you would like to call us, if you want to leave a message, something about the show you like or don't like, it's just nice to hear from you. Or if you have a question about content or something you want to bring to our attention, you can call 662 821 2040-662-821-2040. Follow the prompts and leave a message. And we'll, we're going to be using uh, several of those on the air soon. Uh, also, you can write us at sandy at afr.net. That's sandy at afr.net. You can listen on any podcast platform. afr.net is our home base uh, online. But, uh, you know, it's, it's Spotify and Amazon and all of those uh, if you want to listen on the podcast platform. And if you've got friends that want to listen or you yourself are hearing this in some other way or somebody's standing there next to you who uh, pulled the, the show up, you can go to the easy way to listen is go to sandyrios.com, sandyrios.com, and that will make uh, the show real accessible to you each time you want to listen. So you send us into Cobb County for uh, signature verification, right? You send us into Cobb County, which we didn't want to go into, uh, and you said it would be open to the public and we could have our... So we had our experts there. They weren't allowed into the room. But we didn't want Cobb County. We wanted Fulton County, and you wouldn't give it to us. Now, why aren't we doing signature, and why can't it be open to the public, and why can't we have professionals do it instead of rank amateurs that will never find anything and, and don't want to find anything? They don't want to find... You know they don't want to find anything. Someday you'll tell me the reason why because I don't understand your reasoning, but someday you'll tell me the reason why. But why don't you want to find... We chose Cobb County. Why don't you want to find... What? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, why did... Why? Okay, so why did you do Cobb County? We didn't even request... We requested Fulton County, not Cobb County. Well, Mr. President, we we didn't have our election contest. Go ahead, please. Go ahead. We chose Cobb County because that was the only county where there's been any evidence submitted the signature verification was not properly done. Well, no, but but uh, I, I, I told you, but we're not we're not saying that we yeah, are we that. the aggrieved we we're the that. aggrieved party. All right, so that was the conversation of that infamous phone call that centered on uh, Fulton County, what the the voter malfeasance in Georgia, and that was President Trump. That was Cleta Mitchell. You heard a little bit on there. Uh, and that was Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of the State at the time, who stated that they had everything, 
they had a wonderful election. Everything was fine. No problems. Nothing to see. John Solomon has now uncovered uh, evidence on a video, uh, a, a tape, uh, that that was not true. Brad Raffensperger was not telling the truth. He was uh, cooperating with, I have to choose my words carefully, he was not being careful. He was not overseeing his election in Georgia uh, the way a person should with integrity. Uh, also, you know, so, and then here we have Brian Kemp. I, I played this for you at the top of the show where uh, he is refusing to allow the legislature to convene to discuss the malfeasance, and it is malfeasance, of Fannie Willis as the prosecutor going after these 19 defendants, charging them with uh, racketeering. The RICO statute is ridiculous, uh, charging them for ridiculous things, each and every one of them. And it would be laughable, except no one in the state of Georgia, certainly not the governor now, and certainly not the secretary of state, are doing anything to stop it. It's really, really strange. And actually, a letter is going out to Brian Kemp, uh, signed by a number of leaders. I'm one of those people that signed this. Uh, that they, he needs to call this special session. It's part of the law. It needs to be sorted out. Um, and Carrie Lake is one of the signers also. It's a serious problem what's happening in Georgia right now. It has been now since the 2020 election, maybe even before we know. And I want to then also bring something to your attention. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this. Our friend Hans von Spakovsky, who was my guest uh, uh, last week, I think it was, on a podcast, who, again, is uh, an election expert. He works for Heritage now. He heads their election integrity project. And uh, Hans hails uh, from, he practiced law. He was, I think, a prosecutor or some uh, some appointed job in Georgia in charge of their uh, elections. And he knows a lot about Georgia and about elections in general. And he spent a lot of time with us last week spelling out why Fannie Willis is doing what she's doing is lawless. It's pretty incredible. I hope that you will listen to that. He calls Fannie Willis and her attorneys the Star Chamber, the Georgia Star Chamber. I just commend that broadcast to you to kind of uh, fill in the blanks on that so you can understand why it's so dangerous. And it's dangerous to all of us because if these attorneys, and they're almost all attorneys, not every one of them in those indictments, some were electors, um, if, if attorneys cannot represent clients like President Trump, uh, like uh, Rudy Giuliani, like uh, Sidney Powell, because they're going to be accused of colluding or helping their, their clients, that's ridiculous. That's not American law. It's very dangerous and has serious implications for each of us who may face trouble with the law in the future on any issue, by the way. But uh, Hans has another article out that I want to share with you. He says a judge in Fulton County, Georgia, that's the one that President Trump was talking to Brad Raffensperger about in that phone call. We ask for you to do an audit in Fulton. Why wouldn't you give us Fulton? Why would you not give us Fulton? And Raffensperger didn't have a satisfactory answer from my uh, point of view. Hans writes, a judge in Fulton County, Georgia, failed to properly follow the precedent set by the state Supreme Court in, of Georgia in allowing the county's top prosecutor, that's Fannie Willis, to go forward with a grand jury investigation of former President Donald Trump after disqualifying that same prosecutor, that's Fannie Willis, from part of the probe for misbehavior. It's uh, an issue where uh, Fannie Willis was had convened a jury against uh, a guy, a senator, state senator, Burt Jones. I guess he's now state senator. And she has a vendetta against him. She actually held a fundraiser for his Democratic opponent, Charles Bailey, and in her public statements uh, accused Byrd of being you know, in, under indictment. She's the one who brought the indictment. So she tried to slander him through the process uh, to help her friend Charles Bailey. So a judge in Fulton County said that, you know, slapped her hand and said that she is, I'll read you exactly what he wrote. Willis hosted and headlined a fundraiser for Charles Bailey, the Democratic candidate opposing Jones, at a time when media coverage of the grand jury proceedings was national and nonstop, and the district attorney was a very public face of those proceedings. The Superior Court judge wrote, she pledged her name, likeness, and office to help Jones' opponent at the same time she was targeting Jones and publicly in her pleadings labeling Senator Jones a target of a grand jury's investigation. And so uh, as a result of that, he said she, she has to drop she cannot cover that. 
But when he was approached later about what she's doing in this case, she's also made a lot of comments about President Trump. Uh, She has opinions. She has a lot of opinions, and she has not been shy to share them uh, regarding many of the people that she's now indicted. He was asked, meaning the judge, McBurney, if he would reconsider his decision uh, by the other contingent electors who are now named defendants and issue a broader disqualification of Fannie Willis. But he refused. And he wrote a very arrogant, dismissive three-page order, according to Hans von Swickowski. Hypocrisy everywhere, hypocrisy everywhere. If she was disqualified to make this, uh, to bring this indictment on Senator Burt Jones, who she publicly tried to get not get elected, by the way, he got elected, uh, then she surely cannot come after President Trump and the electors when she's been so public about her criticism. Uh, President Trump and anyone associated with him and that particular election. So it's a, it's a concerning thing, and I just think uh, you need to know about that. Um, I think this is a really fascinating show, and I'm hoping that we can talk more with the, the pastor, Pastor Stephen Lee, and his attorney to get an update. But it just shows you the kinds of people that are being attacked by our justice system, whether it's state or federal. This cannot go on. It cannot go on. The government has become our enemy. This is not America, and this is not the way it should be. So I hope that when you're asked to help with funds to defend regular, just plain folks, uh, we talked uh, on uh, just uh, the, 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 the podcast before this one about all those people that are being charged in Michigan who were uh, alternate electors, perfectly legal and they're being charged by illegally, really an illegal charge, a misapplied charge, a travesty of justice of themselves. And now they have to find legal counsel. They're retired people, grandmas, uh, young moms. It's it's a disgrace. And so um, if you go to Give, Send, Go, you can give to them too. So this is a time for us that are finding ourselves in a situation where we're still free and we're not being attacked. This is a time to give. Instead of hoarding your money, and uh, counting your money and hoping that you keep your head down. That's just not the way God would have us respond. It's our natural response. But I just think uh, you should consider opening your wallet and giving generously. And not to everyone. You can't give to everyone. But some of these are going to appeal to your heart. God's going to speak to you, and you're going to, I hope, uh, be generous and not hoard your, your resources that God gave you anyway. He gave me mine to have to Think about that all the time. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenge I give to myself, so I'm giving it to you. Well, before we say goodbye, I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn. You know, Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion. They do it every day, and they do it with your help. If you go to preborn.com slash Sandy, you can make your most generous donation and continue that work. Christian Healthcare's Ministries, also, what an unusual ministry and a great new sponsor for our show. And I think it might be helpful to many of you who need better health care and more affordable. So go to chministries.org slash Sandy. That's chministries.org slash Sandy. And uh, check it out and see if it will help you and your family. All right, thank you so much for listening to today's version of Sandy Rios 24-7.